As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello, friends. I'm Rick Warren, and welcome to Spurgeon Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way, and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped, and guided by Charles Spurgeon, who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. Christ, our Passover, the sermon by Charles Spurgeon, part one. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. The more you read the Bible, and the more you meditate upon it, the more you will be astonished with it. He or she who is but a casual reader of the Bible does not know the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the mighty meanings contained in its pages. There are certain times when I discover a new vein of thought, and I put my hand to my head and say in astonishment, Oh, it is wonderful. I never saw this before in the Scriptures. You will find the Scriptures enlarge as you enter them. The more you study them, the less you will appear to know of them, for they widen out as we approach them. Especially will you find this the case with the typical parts of God's Word. Most of the historical books were intended to be types, either of dispensations or experiences or offices of Jesus Christ. Study the Bible with this as a key, and you will not blame Herbert when he calls it Not only the book of God, but the God of books. One of the most interesting points of the scriptures is their constant tendency to display Christ. And perhaps one of the most beautiful figures under which Jesus Christ is ever exhibited in sacred writ is the Passover Paschal Lamb. It is Christ of whom we are about to speak today. Israel was in Egypt in extreme bondage. The severity of their slavery had continually increased till it was so oppressive that their incessant groans went up to heaven. God, who avenges his own elect, though they cry day and night unto him, at last determined that he would direct a fearful blow against Egypt's king and Egypt's nation and deliver his own people. We can picture the anxieties and the anticipations of Israel, but we can scarcely sympathise with them unless we as Christians 
have had the same deliverance from spiritual Egypt. Let us, brothers and sisters, go back to the day in our experience when we abode in the land of Egypt, working in the brick kilns of sin, toiling to make ourselves better and finding it to be of no avail. Let us recall that memorable night, the beginning of months, the commencement of a new life in our spirit and the beginning of an altogether new era in our soul. The word of God struck the blow at our sin. He gave us Jesus Christ, our sacrifice. And in that night, we went out of Egypt. Though we have passed through the wilderness since then, and have fought the Amalekites, have trodden on the fiery serpent, have been scorched by the heat and frozen by the snows, yet we have never since that time gone back to Egypt. Although our hearts may sometimes have desired the leeks, the onions and the flesh pots of Egypt, yet we have never been brought into slavery since then. Come, let us keep the Passover this night and think of the night when the Lord delivered us out of Egypt. Let us behold our Saviour Jesus as the Paschal Lamb on which we feed. Yea, let us not only look at him as such, but let us sit down tonight at his table. Let us eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. For his flesh is meat indeed, and his blood is drink indeed. In holy solemnity, let our hearts approach that ancient supper. Let us go back to Egypt's darkness and by holy contemplation behold, instead of the destroying angel, the angel of the covenant at the head of the feast, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. I shall not have time today to enter into the whole history and mystery of the Passover. You will not understand me to be preaching concerning the whole of it, but a few prominent points therein as a part of them. It would require a dozen sermons to do so. In fact, a book as large as Carol writing upon Job, if we could find a divine equally prolix and equally sensible. But we shall, first of all, look at the Lord Jesus Christ and show how he corresponds with the Paschal Lamb and endeavour to bring you to the two points of having his blood sprinkled on you and having fed on him. First then, Jesus Christ is typified here under the Paschal Lamb. And should there be one of the seed of Abraham here who has never seen Christ to be the Messiah, I beg his special attention to that which I am about to advance. When I speak of the Lord Jesus as none other than the Lamb of God, slain for the deliverance of his chosen people. Follow me with your Bibles and open first at the 12th chapter of Exodus. We commence, first of all, with the victim, the Lamb. How fine a picture of Christ! No other creature could so well have typified him who was holy, harmless, undefiled and separate from sinners. Being also the emblem of sacrifice, it most sweetly portrayed our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, 
search natural history through, and though you will find other emblems which set forth different characteristics of his nature and admirably display him to our souls, yet there is none which seems so appropriate to the person of our beloved Lord as that of the Lamb. A child would at once perceive the likeness between a lamb and Jesus Christ, so gentle and innocent, so mild and harmless, neither hurting others nor seeming to have the power to resent an injury. A humble man before his foes, a weary man and full of woes. What tortures the sheep have received from us? How are they, though innocent, continually slaughtered for our food? Their skin is dragged from their backs, their wool is shorn to give us a garment. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Master, gives us his garments that we may be clothed with them. He is rent asunder for us. His very blood is poured out for our sins. Harmless and holy, a glorious sacrifice for the sins of all his children. Thus, the Paschal Lamb might well convey to the pious Hebrew the person of a suffering, silent, patient, harmless Messiah. Look further down. It was a lamb without blemish. A blemished lamb, if it had the smallest speck of disease, the least wound, would not have been allowed for a Passover. The priest would not have suffered it to be slaughtered nor would God have accepted the sacrifice at his hands. It must be a lamb without blemish. And was not Jesus Christ even such from his birth? Unblemished, born of the pure Virgin Mary, begotten of the Holy Spirit, without a stain of sin, his soul was pure and spotless as the driven snow, white, clear, perfect. And his life was the same. In him was no sin. He took our infirmities and bore our sorrows on the cross. He was in all points tempted as we are. But there was that sweet exception, yet without sin. A lamb without blemish. Those of you who have known the Lord, who have tasted of his grace, who have held fellowship with him, does not your heart acknowledge that he is a lamb without blemish? Can you find any fault with your Saviour? Have you ought to lay at his charge? Has his truthfulness departed? Have his words been broken? Have his promises failed? Has he forgotten his engagements? And in any respect, can you find in him any blemish? Ah, no. He is the unblemished lamb, the pure, the spotless, the immaculate, the lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world, and in him there is no sin. Go on further down the chapter. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year. I need not stop to consider the reason why the male was chosen. We only note that it was to be a male of the first year. 
Then it was in its prime. Then its strength was unexhausted. Then its power was just ripened into maturity and perfection. God would not have an untimely fruit. God would not have that offered which had not come to maturity. And so our Lord Jesus Christ had just come to the ripeness of manhood when he was offered. At 34 years of age, he was sacrificed for our sins. He was then hale and strong. Although his body may have been emaciated by suffering and his face more marred than that of any other man, yet was he then in the perfection of manhood. Methinks I see him then, his beard flowing down upon his breast. I see him with his eyes full of genius, his form tall, his manner majestic, his energy entire, his whole frame in full development, a real man, a magnificent man, fairer than the sons of men, a lamb not only without blemish, but with all his powers fully brought out. Such was Jesus Christ, a lamb of the first year, not a boy, not a lad, not a young man, but a full man, that he might give his soul unto us. He did not give himself to die for us when he was a youth, for he would not then have given all he was to be. He did not give himself to die for us when he was in old age, for then he would have given himself when he was in decay. But just in his maturity, in his very prime, then Jesus Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.